This program is not censored. Consider yourself warned. Want to advertise on this podcast? Email sponsorshiplollipop at gmail.com. Lights. Camera. Action. Hello, Internet, and welcome to Table Reads, the podcast where we take scripts that have never been filmed and read them so that you might experience the joy of terrible writing that Hollywood has tried to deny you. Your hosts on this tour of unproduced dreck are Sean McBee and me, Trevor Thompson, who have written enough terrible nonsense together and apart that it should keep this show running forever. Hey, everybody, we're uh, reading, I believe this is part three, Trevor? Yeah. Part, part three of the first draft of Back to the Future from 1981? Not, not part three of Back to the Future. No, no. This is part three of our reading of the first draft of the first Back to the Future film from 1981. And I gotta say, man, contrary to what we tried to do with the Star Wars, these, I mean, the, these last two fucking flew by. It was a blast. Yeah. Because this is fun. It's, it's not terrible dreck like the opening said yeah. um, but it's it's a uh, it's rusty it's definitely a different take on what we're used to which oh, is yeah. fun yeah um, but we can st- we can still do the marty voice and doc the characters are still the characters that we know and lo- well doc is professor brown but bear with me for one moment because i'm, I'm going to be looking for those uh, sound effects that i was using before oh yeah do that yes but yeah, tell the folks more. Yeah, about I, th- I thought you were all ready with everything. And, I and was, and then I remembered that I we had that was what was made it so fun was we we didn't just have the music, we also had sound effects. We had Back to the Future sound effects. So, um, well, tell you what, I'll I'll get the audience caught up on where we were. All right. So previously on table reads. <laughs> previously on table reads. Yeah, that's what I just did, Trevor. Yeah, that's what I just did, just Trevor. Repeat my jokes. Just repeat my jokes. Trevor's so fat. It's yeah. not a joke. That's the beginning of a joke. <laughs> I said I repeated your jokes. Trevor's so fat, he, got, he jumped up in the air and got stuck. Oh, my God. Trevor's so fat, he irons his shorts in the driveway. With the car. Trevor's so fat, he's at risk for early onset diabetes. That's fucking, uh, that's Maria Bamford's joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your mom is so fat, she has type 2 diabetes, and we're all really worried about her. <laughs> I love Maria Bamford. She's so fantastic. She has a new series out what? coming up on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh. New series with the wonderful, me- produced by Louie. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Side, side note, uh, all things Louie, have you seen Horace and Pete? No, but, um... That's that's a different podcast. It is, let's but get let's get to this podcast. Yes. So previously on table reads, um, Marty went back in time. <laughs> I almost spit my tea out, you <laughs> cocksucker! <laughs> Why can't so, I find these fucking? So uh, uh, Doc had stolen some plutonium from the U.S. government, like you do, instead of Libyans. Yeah, because uh, that's back when our terrorists were not all Muslim. This is a different time when it what, was. What do you What do you think uh, oh, wait, is no, no, no. the prevalent faith in Libya, Trevor? Yeah, but that's the thing. For a, for an eighties movie, it should have been the Russians. They should have been Russian terrorists. Russians weren't terrorists. Russians were were the like bad guys this, this in war huge, movies. Was this huge threat? Um, you know, uh, the terrorists were always Middle Eastern. Do you remember? Um, it's pretty much erased from existence at this point but in et from existence in in the original theatrical release of et 
Um, the mother yells at the older son, Elliot's brother, uh, you are not, it's, it's Halloween. Right. It's like, you are not leaving this house dressed as a terrorist. Right. And what they change it to? Uh, hobo, I think. <laughs> yeah, because hobo. when you, you don't, you don't see his outfit, but, uh, when, uh, when he does go out, he's dressed as a hobo. And, uh, so I think they were just like, just make it say hobo. And then he can just have ignored her. But in reality, he was dressed as a terrorist, and she told him that he's not going to, and he switched it up to hobo. Mm. Yeah, but they they changed it. Um, I think the first time was when it was released on CBS, and then that made it into subsequent uh, video and theatrical and DVD releases. Quick question, and it's actually more relevant to Back to the Future. Do, uh, are you, is there a, is there a moment, have we met Biff yet? Is there a Biff in this script? Um, there was, yeah, in 1981, there was, uh, or 83, 84, whatever year it is, um, there was a, a Biff-like character. It wasn't Biff, though. So there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a punch, right? That's why you're asking? Just, no, but it did make it. I just I'm just, looking up sound effects, and uh, that punch him. reminded me. I was like, we haven't. I haven't heard from Biff because that's like the big iconic scene where he punches him in the in Lou's diner. But I was like, yeah, do we have a fucking? Because remember, there was Biff? that scene that was uh, filmed that was attributed to a neighbor rather than Biff. Oh yeah, a different neighbor. Yeah, that's right. With the with the Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, yeah. So um, maybe it was Biff. I can't remember. We'll find out soon enough. Um, I can only find one of the original Back to the Future noises that I made. Okay, well, you do your thing quietly while I fill in the audience. So previously, as we were going through this, uh, the professor, Professor Brown, had stolen some plutonium from the American government. Uh, to power his time machine, which, um, you know, actually it's not a refrigerator. Maybe he builds it into a refrigerator sometime throughout the script. Right. But at this point, it's uh, like a beam that's focused on a particular point, and there's a box with a rope, and you have to pull the rope to expose more plutonium, and the more plutonium you expose, the further through time you go. And there's a positive and negative uh, polarization switch that determines whether it's forward or back. So Marty, in an attempt to sneakily send Shemp the monkey back in time 24 hours so that he can cheat at gambling in the past before he knows there's a time machine or why the monkey would have results for races from the next day. Um, God, man, Marty is really dumb. Uh, he switches it to negative when uh, Doc wants to send the monkey a day into the future. And then the U.S. government comes, bursts in. Uh, Marty, or Doc, Professor Brown, accidentally falls down when he gets shot, still clinging to the rope, exposing the plutonium all the way. Marty gets zapped by the beam and sent as far back in the past as a person can possibly go, which is 1951, apparently. Uh, so... This Doc, in 1951, has already invented the time machine, but hasn't figured out how to power it, and really, really readily accepts Marty's uh, claims of being from the future. 
Um, I remember the the biggest missed opportunity for investment in in this version of the script was uh, Doc has an opportunity to invest in Xerox. And oh yeah, that's right. It was like that's the big thing he missed out on was Xerox. Oh. <laughs> And the audience is supposed to groan and go, oh, my God, he didn't invest in Xerox. What a what, dummy. What a dinglehead. Because um, <laughs> that's a word they used back in the 80s, folks, was dinglehead. They used all kinds of weird words. Yeah. That was not radical. Non-heinous. As a Bill, Bill and Ted reference. That was totally non, 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 non-heinous. Non-heinous would be good. Yeah. Anyway, um, the, so, uh, you, anyway. so, uh, so, uh, Professor Brown has Marty sequestered. Don't go outside. You could have terrible ramifications for the future. That's right. Yeah. So Professor Brown played by Richard Nixon. <laughs> so of course, uh, Marty goes out immediately, um, I think he places some bets, plays some music. Yeah. He uh, invents rock and roll <laughs> at a guitar shop. I like that they, they kept that theme over all the the versions of it. They're like, you know what? The one fuck thing black people. The one thing we have to do is fuck black people over right where it hurts. <laughs> so, um, Marty's just returned back to... The professors. It's really, really hard it's not so to call weird. him Doc. Yeah, that's why I told Marty you last time. I think you, you should just give in. And, no, I'm not. I'm reading the script as it was written, Trevor. Fair that's enough. what we do here. And uh, he's gotten a business card from a guy who I guess is a talent agent, and he's just gotten back to the professor's house. And there's a, a small snippet here. Are you all set? Yep. There's a small snippet here that I think we read at the end of the last episode. We're going to read it again now just to reacclimate. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, yes, he's just left this guy. He's gotten back. So we are now fade in. Thanks, Capone. Yeah. God damn it. Thanks for being busy. <laughs> Interior. Marty's bedroom at Brown's house. Night. Marty, dressed once again in his 1980s clothes... Which is creepy as fuck that he's got his own bedroom at Doc's house. Remember, Doc has a mansion. That's Th- true. This is still like like family money, Doc. I thought, hey, I, I thought that was 55, Doc. Oh, he's in 55 now. That's he's right. He's in 51. Okay. He's in 51, yeah. That's right. He has the garage in, in 83 or whatever it is. The future. Yeah. He, the present. He, waste, he wastes all his money in the meantime. In this draft and in the film. Yeah. Squanders his family fortune. Um, Marty, dressed once again in his 1980s clothes, is practicing on the guitar in front of the mirror. God, now I gotta sneeze. Gesundheit. Gesundheit. You know, if you if you uh, say bless you or gesundheit to Jessica before she sneezes, she won't sneeze. That's not true. That's true. There's no way that's true. It's it's weird, and she gets mad about it. She's like, God damn it, I had to sneeze. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. All right, so you said Marty was uh, jamming out on his guitar? He's practicing on the guitar in front of the mirror. He hears the door open downstairs, so he quickly puts the guitar in the corner, messes Ah, up his hair. Shit, I thought we could get some guitar in there, but I guess not. 
we're done. Takes Reginald's business card off of the bed and sticks it in the pocket of his Porsche jacket, which is laying on a chair. Remember, he has a silver Porsche jacket instead of the orange uh, life vest thing. What's with the life preserve? Interior, Brown's house, front alcove, night. Marty comes running downstairs and finds a very sullen Professor Brown pouring himself a drink. Wow, Doc drinks in this version. Brown looks at him. Well, I found an energy source that can generate the 4,200 rads, or 40, I should probably say 4,200, he would say that. Yes. The 4,200 rads that we need. An atomic bomb. Oh, no, that's your line. It, oh. It's, it's over his direction. It's in the direction, okay. Well, I found an energy source that can generate the 4,200 rads that we need. An atomic bomb. Professor, be serious, would you? I am serious. If we could get you, the time machine, and the power converter in the vicinity of the atomic blast, of an atomic blast, we could send you back to the future! You're talking crazy! An atomic blast would melt me in the time machine in a matter of seconds! You forget! Time travel is instantaneous! Aw, oh, damn it. What? I really wanted him to go, Marty, that's absurd! You would be atomized! You wouldn't melt! Yeah. <laughs> You forget, time travel is instantaneous. The time machine would melt, but you would... <laughs> he says it would melt. The time machine would melt, but you would have already traveled through time. Of course, it's a moot point regardless. The only place atomic bombs are deteriorated, or detonated... Jesus, I can't fucking read. I can't see. I can't see, goddammit. I'm so Rosenberg. The only place atomic bombs are detonated is at the Army's Nevada test site. And those tests are kept absolutely top secret. Something suddenly occurs to Marty, and he bolts back upstairs. Interior, Marty's bedroom, Brown ho- Brown's house. Marty rushes into the bedroom and goes through the pockets of his Porsche jacket. He pulls out the textbook page he passed to Susie Parker and unfolds it. Oh. Mm. Reginald's business card falls out of the same pocket. Oh, plot point. Insert the textbook page. Underneath the picture of the mushroom cloud is the caption. Last above-ground atomic test, 15 megatons, March 18th, 1952, Atkins, Nevada. Marty, I'm picking this because it's called Time Bomb Town. Okay. Marty compares this to the business card. The dates are the same. He considers mm. his problem, then makes his decision. He crumples up the textbook page and throws it in the trash can. <sighs> Marty. Oh, Marty's going to go back in time and invent rock and roll. Rather than return back to his own time. Interesting. Plot point. Now Professor Brown enters. Marty, what's wrong? He slipped the card back in the jacket and shrugged, trying to seem nonchalant. Oh, nothing. I thought I left the water running. Professor Brown catches a glimpse of the guitar in the corner, then has a closer look. Say, where did this guitar come from? Oh, that? I found it in the closet. Of your house. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst line ever. Really ridiculous. <laughs> Where did it come from? He's never seen it before and it's his. Oh, oh, that. I found it in the closet. I don't recall ever seeing it before. I don't recall ever owning a droid. <laughs> well, it was there. Curious. Very curious. It's a really good doc. Thank you. Interior, Marty's bedroom, Brown's house, morning. Morning light. Morning and night. <laughs> morning light streams in through the window. Marty awakens. This time, he's sleeping in the bed instead of on it. He smiles. Interior, kitchen. 
Marty pours himself a cup of coffee from the drip coffee pot and victoriously pulls the stopper out of the milk bottle. His mood is very positive, and he sings as he adds milk to his coffee. See, he's acclimating to 1952. Ah, that's what the because point before of this he is. he got the milk and he tried to pour it, and there was a cardboard stopper on it. That's right. Now I remember. Yeah, Marty singing. Oh, I can't sing a different song while the song's playing. Singing. So you wanna be a rock and roll star? <laughs> Once again. <laughs> It's your strong suit, Sean. Singing, yes. I love it. You missed your calling. Once again, the doorbell rings. Marty reacts with a not again look and goes to answer it. After after Doc, like, yelled at him for answering the door. Yeah. Come on, man. Interior. You're right. This version of Marty is a lot dumber. Yeah. It's probably going to be the professor again, like, We just just threw this yesterday! (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck do I have to do? That's the real line, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Interior at the front door. Marty is shaking his head as he opens the door. Because he has Parkinson's. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, man. That's That's right. That's just not right. And it's it's wrong, too, because he's in the past. It's not his future. (laughs) It's not future, Marty. Uh, that's you, why he can't play guitar in 2015. <laughs> but he pulled it the hell off in 2012, actually. He actually did uh, a live performance of Johnny Be Good um, on this, like, this, a, pro- a replica of the one that he played in Back to the Future, and he actually played it. Uh, him and, him and uh, Lloyd played Doc and Marty on, uh, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel last year. Yeah, I remember that when they came out on stage. On, on Back to the Future Day. Yep. Mm hmm. Marty, where, Doc, where the hell are we? <laughs> and he's doing Stevie Wonder fucking head bobs. <laughs> we love Michael J. Fox, but it is... It's so painful to see that you just have to joke about it. You know, uh, what made me feel a lot better about it was uh, the Michael J. Fox show. Uh-huh. He had his own sitcom a couple years ago. I never saw it. I mean, I, I remember it, but... It's... it's oh, it's... Uh, his wife is... Um, Hank's wife from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Um, and Marie. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he he basically is an analog of himself. He plays a New York newscaster that had to retire because he got Parkinson's. And then he's, like, coming back into it. And it's like, let me see how his family deals with his disease and uh, and him, like, getting back into his career. Um, and it's comedy. It's a Parkinson's comedy. And it didn't last. It didn't last. Um, it was it was not great. I got to be honest. I, I totally get why it didn't last. No, it, one, it, it, it wasn't know. great, but I watched it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Probably just because I like seeing Michael J. Fox on screen yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. I, I really miss the guy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it I was... I love Spin City. It was a great role because he was able to have his Parkinson's. He yeah. He didn't have to shoot around... And he was able to have his Parkinson's and eat it too. <sighs> Can we go yeah, back to the script? They were able to, like, you know, not wait until his shakes subsided for five minutes and shoot five minutes and right, wait right. another hour. Um, oh, yeah. Look, Professor, I'm not. Oh, it's Eileen. Marty is dumbfounded. She smiles at him. She's carrying books, obviously on her way to school. Hi, Marty. Uh, hi. Eileen? It's hard for him to say. Right, Eileen. A little unsure of herself. You remember me? 
Oh, sure. I remember you. Well, I was on my way to school, and I just wanted to stop by and see if you were feeling okay. You seemed like you were in a pretty bad shape the other day. In pretty bad shape. The other night. The other night. Oh, I'm feeling much better now. How long are you planning on staying? Actually, it looks like I'm going to be stuck here for a while. Th- then you'll be going to, to school here? School? I never thought of school. If I went to school, I could blend in with everybody else, couldn't I? She doesn't know how to react. <laughs> what, what time does school start around here? <laughs> That's a good joke, actually. <laughs> Nine. Oh, I'm late. Maybe I'll see you later? Yeah, maybe so. She smiles, then hurries off to school. You know, if she was going to be late... like She really shouldn't have gone over there. She was there for 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> like, in, in, unless the school's right across the street. That was like... This is bad screenwriting. Really, po- really poorly thought yeah, out. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is first draft type stuff. Yeah. Exterior high school day. It's the same school we saw in 1982, but the trees are smaller and there is no graffiti or broken windows. Because, you know, the audience, they tend to notice things like tree size. (laughs) Right. Uh, The audience couldn't see it, but Sean just stopped to uh, to do his impression of the poster. (laughs) Wait, hold on. Oh, wow, you actually do have sunglasses. Yeah. Sean was checking his Apple Watch while we were... Um, Because Marty has an Apple Watch. Ah, no graffiti or broken windows. Only a few students are... Man, 1982 Hill Valley is almost alt 1985. yeah. That's like really shitty and run down. Apparently... Which I never never got that impression from the movie. The the difference is Goldie Wilson. Mayor Goldie Wilson. Like the sound of that. Oh, by the way, on the TV show I was just working on, um, I had to do a historic plaque for the... uh, um, for the courthouse, and I said that the <laughs> sorry, uh, folks. Uh, Trevor just lifted up his teacup and smashed it straight into his microphone. It been, the only way it could have been funnier is if I spilled all the tea, <laughs> <laughs> or if the if the teacup just shattered. <laughs> so you were just holding the handle. Anyway, on the TV show I was just working on, I had to make a historical plaque for in front of the courthouse, and I put in that the, uh, I had to write all the text for it. Right. And I put in that the, uh, the courthouse was commissioned for construction in 1922 by, my, by Mayor G.L. D. Wilson. <laughs> G.L.D. <laughs> G.L. like uh, the D, like D-E-E, like D. Snyder, mm. was his nickname. I got you. That's so cool. it's Goldie, Goldie Wilson. Wilson. Because we'd just been reading this, and I had Goldie Wilson on the brain. Oh, and one of, one of the episodes of The Nerdist, when it starts, Matt Myra and Jonah Ray are literally writing a Back to the Future musical from the perspective of Goldie Wilson. <laughs> and they're, then they're singing a song my Back to the Future, about Goldie Wilson. My Back to the Future musical. Is, uh, it's, a, it's starring me, and I go back in time to make sure that Jonah Ray's parents never meet. <laughs> Man. I, I'm mad at him. Fuck him. He should have not... He, he, I mean, he took an upcoming, struggling comic who was trying something new that was funny, and he fucked with him. You're an asshole, Jonah. You know what? 
maybe he would look back at that and go, I was an asshole. I, w- I would hope so. I would because, hope so. Because, uh... Okay. That's if he even remembers. Um, I mean, if you told him that story, he may not remember it, but he may go, oh, man, sounds like I was an asshole. Sorry. Yeah. Apparently, uh, uh, Chris Hardwick had a big problem with Dane Cook once, just personally. Oh, yeah? He never was on the Dane Cook like bandwagon right. hate of hate, um, but Dane Cook was a dick to him at some point, and he was uh, telling, I think, Greg Fitzsimmons about it, who knows Dane Cook pretty well. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, he went through that phase. He went through that, like, rock star asshole phase. Uh, but he's like, if you have him on the show, he's really open about it. And he'll tell you, like, man, I was a shithead back then. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, the same thing. Maybe Jonah Ray is a, a, is a decent guy now. I hope so, because, you know. You know, maybe maybe getting he's his in a absolute lot. dream role. I was going to say, I mean, I might humble you. Because it's like, you, one of the most humble people in the world is fucking Joel Hodgson. One of the most quiet, nice Minnesota types ever. And it's like, and he, he's a lot of people's fucking comedy hero. Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe it's like, you know. For him to see something in Jonah Ray that's like, hey, you're going to run. Well, that's what I was just about to Misty. say is a lot of people that I look up to and even a few that I know personally have nothing but good things to say about him. So, you know, maybe it was having an off night or, you know, maybe he just got overwhelmed with that white guilt. That was it. Th- I'm telling you, th- it was it was palpable in the room. It was thick. You could cut it with a knife. And you know, maybe because like uh, he was running that show. Maybe, maybe someone was he actually running the open mic. I don't know. That's uh, what it sounded like. But maybe someone was giving him grief. Maybe. Maybe someone was like, "Can you? Can you're letting this guy fucking do this?" <laughs> you know, maybe maybe there's other circumstances. Maybe so Jonah Ray that, isn't yeah. just a total. We, we should we should really get back on. Oh, hey, we got a script here. <laughs> we started doing an episode of Ted, <laughs> even though the music for Back to the Future is in the background. Well, that could be an episode of Ted too. I mean, yeah, fuck I, it, dude. This I don't even hear this. This is just like the soundtrack in my head. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's finally matching up. It's making that noise when you play the same song <laughs> on two different devices at the same time. <laughs> All right, where are we? Um, only a few students are loitering in front. School is in session. Marty, dressed once again for 1952, goes up the front steps, carrying a notebook. As he gets to the door, the bell rings, indicating a passing period. Oh, so he must just rush right off to the class that he knows he's supposed to be in. Yeah, right. Well, um, we don't have a... Uh, I don't have a, a, a... We don't need a bell. A bell, so I'll just do this. There you go. You could have just let it lie. You could have just ignored it. No, Never. Worst Foley guy. I don't have a punch sound. I guess I'll just do a gunshot. <laughs> That's what Treg Brown did in all those Wiley Coyote cartoons. Trigger with Brown. Mm-hmm. Sound effects man for Looney Tunes. Uh, interior, school hall. Marty, students. Students pour into the hall from the classrooms. Marty marvels at what his contemporaries look like. Marty all pres- white people. Probably. Yeah. Marty proceeds through the corridor and passes a classroom door. He decides to enter. <laughs> it's Listen. really weird writing. <laughs> I know. It's a great direction. Because it's, it's, it's not saying that he does goes he, in. Does he stop and ponder the closed door? Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Perfect. Yeah. 50s. Interior. Science classroom. It's the same science classroom Marty was in earlier, only everything looks We much, get it. Only everything <laughs> looks much newer and the chalkboards are black instead of green. Marty goes over to his Did old that desk. That really make the mark of the 80s versus the 50s. 
the green versus black chalkboards. I remember you know, seeing they were just sitting there going. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> you know what I remember? <laughs> and there's a knee high sign in the background. <laughs> Uh, and you know when they were writing this, it did go. Tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Tick, Unless they were writing it on like an Apple II. Yeah. Mr. Sandman, bring me on. Um, Marty goes over to his old desk. Of course, it's now in excellent condition. Yes, we we do now, get it. We now now they're it. tired of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he runs his hand across the desktop. You there? What are you doing in this class? The voice is familiar. Marty looks up. It's Mr. Arky, 30 years younger. Uh-oh. Obviously, we're going to read him as Strickland. Marty's eyes nearly fall out of his head. Not pop out. Just, no, they just... Just, just like... <laughs> <laughs> Young Mr. Arky is energetic and dynamic. The kind of teacher who's going to change the world. Mr. Arky? Mr. Arky! Yes, that's my name. Who are you, young man? Are you supposed to be here? I, yeah, I'm new here. And I'm supposed to be in this class. You have a name? Marty. Marty Lewis. Close on an inkwell, and a fountain pen is dipped in and sucks in ink. I don't know that that's... Is this 1850? Yeah, a fountain pen in the 50s, really? Wider angle, science class. As Marty stares with amazement at the student next to him, filling her pen. Mr. Arky is in the middle of his lecture. And it is, of course, due to science that we Americans enjoy the highest standard of living in the history of the world. When we think of the technological advances made in just the past 30 years, it boggles the mind to imagine what the world will be like in another 30 years. Good read. I know, right? Will be like in another 30 years. (laughs) It's like when they make fun of uh, those industrial films on (laughs) Mystery Science Theater and they're all robotic and and then the robots make fun of them. We'll need carpenters in the future. We'll need... People who can lay pipe and then servos. We'll need actors. People who can read <laughs> lines with and interact with others. Uh, and it, uh, you want me to say all that again? <laughs> no, but the next chunk of direction is actually supposed to be dialogue. Oh, sorry. I think I can safely say that we can all look forward to a world of plenty, a world free of disease and starvation. There'll be entire cities built under the sea. Cars that can go two or three hundred miles an hour. Marty can't believe what he's hearing. The rest of the class seems pretty bored. You girls will be able to cook an entire meal. It's 50s, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you girls will be able to cook an entire meal, clean the entire house, and do all of your laundry and ironing by push button. You may even... <laughs> he thinks the future is a Tex Avery cartoon. <laughs> You that, may, that's what they thought yeah, in the 50s. Yeah. You may even have a robot to assist you in all your duties as a wife. Or your wife may be All a your duties as a wife. Wink. <laughs> a wise guy calls out from the back. I hope those robots won't be assisting in all my wife's duties. Oh, hey, look, he made the same joke I did. Yep. There's laughter from the back of the class. Oh, it's Biff. Read Fun. it again. Okay. I hope those robots won't be assisting in all my wife's duties. (laughs) There is laughter from the back of the class. Well, Biff, since you seem so eager to get into this discussion, perhaps you'd like to tell us all what you think you'll be doing in 30 years. Yes, it's young Biff Tannen sitting in the back of the class looking just like what he is, the school's (laughs) biggest troublemaker. Sitting around him are his three cronies, Gums, so named because he's missing his two front teeth, Ooh. Match, who is perpetually chewing on wooden matchsticks, and Skinhead, who, who hates is niggers. 
<laughs> who has a crew cut just short of being bald. Marty turns around and stares at Biff. I know what I won't be doing. Going to school. In 30 years? Yeah. Let's fucking hope so, I will hope so, Biff. Way to aim high, you fucking <laughs> flathead. 28 years max for me. <laughs> 20 and years. then I'm out of this high school. Uh, they can only give you so many tries. Biff's boys break into hysterics. Hey, Biff, good one. Attaboy. Attaway? Attaway. Attaway, Biff. Now Biff notices that Marty is staring at him. He takes an immediate dislike to Marty. What are you looking at, a-hole? <laughs> I like that better than butthead. I like butthead so much better. <laughs> Marty's eyes meet Biff's hateful glare. Then Marty turns away. God, he's a little bitch, too. Yeah, yeah. He's Martin McFly Jr. <laughs> Anybody else have any ideas about what life might be like in 30 years? As usual, no one raises their hand. Mr. Cusimano, Ms. Voiles, Ms. Kaner. So am I to understand that no one has anything at all to say about the future? Marty looks directly at Marty. How about you, Mr. McFly? Can I put a pin in this real quick? He's Marty Lewis. Martin and Lewis. No, he's Marty Lewis. Right. And the teacher calls him Mr. McFly. Oh, shit, he did. Yeah. That's a mistake. That is a mistake. That should be Mr. Lewis. Yes. How about you, Mr. Lewis? Marty reacts with shock. Oh, no. Nope, it's not a mistake. Yeah, he thinks he's George. He looks directly he, at Marty. How about you, Mr. McFly? Yeah, okay. How about you, Mr. McFly? Marty reacts with shock. Somehow he's been found out. Oh, shit! <laughs> Several heads turn with shock at Marty's expletive, including Biff's. At the same time, the student sitting directly in front of Marty opens his mouth. Well, I... Uh, well... It's young George McFly. And he's really a mess, too. Nervous, hair poorly combed, just not with it, man. <laughs> I added the man. Good for you. Marty realizes who it is. Jesus Christ! Dad! <laughs> Mr. Arky tries to ignore it all. Continue, Mr. McFly. George stands. Marty reacts with embarrassment for himself and his future father. Well, I... Uh... Could you repeat the question? God damn, Trevor. George is a fucking mess. Okay. It's Not just... that much of a mess. He can... Form a sentence. He's just a little nervous. It doesn't say that here that he can form any sentences. I said, well, I uh, could you repeat the question? He doesn't need like a fifty-page. Listen, you tell that pause. to Crispin Glover. Come on, Biff. Oh, sit down, McFly. You stupid moron. I can't see. This music is not appropriate for this scene. Much better. Biff hits him in the head with a spitball. George immediately sits down. Marty, pissed, turns on Biff. Hey, lay off! Biff glares at Marty, eyes narrowing with complete hate, as oh if God. he were black. You know what? If they're about to get into it, that's perfect, because this is the song that was playing in the diner when they got into it. What? Oh. Did you say something, Mr. Lewis? Marty pays no attention. He keeps staring at Biff. Mr. Lewis, I'm talking to you. Marty suddenly remembering his name. Who, me? You're the only Mr. Lewis in this class. 
If you have something to say, say it while the whole class can hear. Well, yeah, I was thinking. If cars are going to be going two or three hundred miles an hour, they're going to be using an awful lot of gas. Like, what if we run out? Run out of gas? He reacts as if it's the most ridiculous thing he's ever heard. There is laughter from the class. Well, class, it seems we may have a doomsdayer in our midst. I must say, Mr. Lewis, that's a mighty pessimistic attitude for a young man like yourself. Yeah, well, Ronald Reagan's president! <laughs> First of all, with all the studies we have indicating the vast supplies of petroleum... Oh, and that's not direction. Yeah, I know. God damn. Weird. First of all, with all the studies we have indicating the vast supplies of petroleum in the Earth, plus the massive reserves that we have yet to be discovered, the likelihood of any such shortage is highly remote. And even if the most improbable catastrophic circumstances were to occur, and we did have a shortage of petroleum, I'm sure that, the Ameri that American technology and ingenuity would overcome the problem in no time at all. All in all, I'd say your time would be better spent worrying about the real problems that face the world, instead of our shortage of gasoline. Biff and his boys make fart noises. Hey, we got plenty of gas back here! <laughs> More laughter from the class. Interior, school corridor, day. The bell rings. We really need a bell sound effect. Students pour out... No, we don't. People know what it sounds like. Students pour out of classes into the hall, including Mr. Arkey's science students. No shit. Marty steps out into the hall, waits for George to come out, and keeping his distance, follows him. You know, like a creep. Stalker, yeah. <clears throat> Interior, hall intersection. Marty follows George toward a hall intersection where Eileen is passing by with her girlfriend, Madge. Eileen Madge. sees George, but not Marty. She smiles at him. Hi, George. George looks at her and is so at a loss for words that he walks into another student. Eileen and Madge giggle and continue down the hall. <laughs> at a drinking fountain. George stops at a fountain, goes down for a drink, and gets water sprayed in his face. Marty shakes his head. School lockers. George dials the combination to his locker, opens it, and is hit by an avalanche of books. Marty turns his head, not sure whether to laugh or cry. Interior, school ca So this is a George's hapless montage, in yeah. case you weren't following people. Interior, school cafeteria. A large poster advertises the springtime in Paris dance on Saturday, March 16th. We pan over to the cafeteria line where George is getting his lunch. Marty is right behind him in line and watches as the cafeteria ladies give George the burnt pork chop, the wilted salad, and the green stewed tomatoes. <laughs> But George isn't paying attention, because he's talking to himself. Eileen, if you're free Saturday night... No. Eileen, would you like to go to the... De no, no. Marty hears this, then notices the poster. He perks up, very interested, but his arm disappears. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. He perks up, very interested. Interior, lunchroom. George comes out of the cafeteria line and looks around the lunchroom. Eileen, Madge, and some other girls are sitting at a table. George takes a deep breath and heads over that way. Marty follows a short distance behind. George is very nervous as he approaches Eileen. In fact, his tray is shaking because his hands are quivering. Uh, Eileen? Hi, George. I Eileen, could, could I ask you something? Oops. His, his shaking tray causes him to spill his creamed corn. She smiles. She thinks it's cute. Uh, well, the, the thing is, that, that is, 
What I wanted to ask you... Marty draws closer to eavesdrop, but Eileen spots him. Marty! Hi, Marty! Over here! Marty's hand disappears. <laughs> George whirls around to see who she's talking to and spills his entire lunch all over himself. Oh. Oh, oh God. Excuse me, please. George starts to walk away, but Marty stops him. Wait a minute. Are you going to ask her to dance? How, how did you know? Go ahead, George. Ask her. Leave me alone. you got to ask her to the dance. Now. I... <laughs> Is that what you're going to ask me, George? To go to the dance? No. George runs away. Marty tries to stop him. George, wait. Get back here. You're not supposed to run off. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> but George is gone. Marty throws up his arms. Oh, God, this is all wrong. What's all wrong? Why are you acting like an ape? <laughs> George, he's supposed to ask you to the dance. But he didn't ask me. But he does. Don't you see? He comes out of the cafeteria line. He's nervous. He spills his corn. And he asks you to the dance. Marty. I'm getting a little Jason Alexander yeah, in there. Yeah. And he asked you to the dance. <laughs> Jerry. She was right there, Jerry. I, I, I was, you were supposed to ask her to the dance. Elaine. Eileen, sorry. Uh, Marty, you haven't been listening. Nobody's asked me to the dance. Yet. She smiles at him, then picks up her empty tray and walks off. Marty drops into a chair, totally disappearing. <laughs> Totally shocked. I know. Interior, Professor Brown's study. Day. Professor Brown reacts with shock at what Marty has just told him. You did what? I didn't mean to. It was an accident. I didn't I didn't mean to dress up in my 1950s clothes, <laughs> go to school, attend classes, and go to lunch. I just fell into them. I didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. Do you realize what this means? Do you have any idea what that means? Professor, you want to pick one of those readings? or No! <laughs> Great Scott, Marty, we have to do this! Look, it's not that big a deal. I can fix it. All I gotta do is get them together and make sure that my old man fucks my old lady. Sure, my old man asks her out. <laughs> you better make sure your old man asks her out, because if he doesn't, they may never have a first date. And if they won't have a first date, they won't have a second date. If they don't have a second date, they won't fall in love. If they don't fall in love, they won't get married. And if they don't get married, you'll never be born. I really wanted to go to that, that to go a little differently. If they don't have a second date, your father will never get laid. <laughs> <clears throat> Women put out on the second date in 1952. That's just how it's done, Marty. Um, Marty gulps. Cut to exterior street, malt shop, day. Malt shop. Mm. Get the music ready. Marty is dragging George down the street toward the malt shop just ahead, the local hangout. Two kids on homemade scooters, roller skates nailed to a 2x4 with an orange crate on top, cruise down the sidewalk past them. I don't know if I can go through with this. George, she's beautiful, right? She's nice? She's decent? She's the kind of girl you'd like to marry, right? And there's nothing in the world you like more than to take her to that dance, right? Well, yeah. Okay, then. George halts abruptly and faces Marty. Wait a minute. Who are you, anyway? What are you doing this for? Let's just say I have a vested interest in you and Eileen going to this dance, all right? Look, there she is. Marty points to the window of the malt shop. POV through the window of the malt shop. 
Eileen at a table with Madge and another girlfriend talking about talking and sipping ice cream soda. <laughs> talking about sipping. Ice cream. <laughs> you know, I like to put my my lips around the straw and suck on it, and I then bet and you then it slurps. Talking and sipping ice cream sodas. Back to shot. Go in there and invite her. What do I say? Say what you were supposed to say in the cafeteria. Oh no, that was for the cafeteria. This. <laughs> This is different. <laughs> That's a good That's line. That's a good line. <laughs> and the line after it is still in the movie. Yeah. Christ, it's a miracle I was even born. Huh? Nothing. Look, I'll write it down for you, okay? You are my density. <laughs> Marty tears a page out of George's notebook and starts writing something with his big pen. You mean his fountain pen? Yeah, right. George stares with fascination at the ballpoint pen. What is that? A pencil that writes in ink? Huh? George takes it and examines it. Let me see that. Bike fine point? Bic. It's a Bic pen. How do you fill it with ink? Fill it with ink? You don't fill it. Oh, come on, George. Marty, you're not in the fucking 80s. Yeah. You get it? Marty pulls out his iPhone. <laughs> What's weird? <laughs> Jesus. All right. <clears throat> Interior malt shop. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marty points George in the right direction and shoves <clears throat> the piece of paper in his hand. There she is. Just go and ask her. I'll be sitting right here. Marty takes a stool at the counter. George takes a deep breath, takes a step forward, hesitates, then goes to the counter. George to Soda Jerk. I just want to say it the way that he says in the movie first. Lou, give me a milk. Chocolate. <laughs> okay, here we go. To Soda Jerk. Give me a strawberry malted. You could still do it with the same cadence. Give me a strawberry malted. <laughs> Marty shakes his head. <laughs> That's well. <laughs> I, I love that. The way he it like slides over. He's like. Yep. It's the it's the coolest thing he's ever fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> Marty shakes his head. George looks at the piece of paper with what he's supposed to say and mouths the words to himself. The soda jerk brings George's malted. George takes a slug, then gets up the nerve and approaches Eileen, unaware that he now has a pink mustache. <laughs> That's funny too. Eileen sees George before he can o- uh, before he can even open his mouth. Hi, George. Every time she says hi to somebody, I picture her just like putting her hair behind her ear. (laughs) Hi, George. George is slightly confused. This isn't in the script. Uh, hi, Eileen. How are you? Oh, I I feel like Eileen always talks like she wants the person she's talking to to bang her. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because I remember, um... Bob Gale saying that in a, in a number of different interviews. It's like, what would happen if you go to high school, you find out, back in your mom's day, and you find out she was the fucking whore. Yeah. <laughs> and she, meanwhile, when she's a mom, she won't even let you sit in a parked car with a girl. Yeah. Hi, George. Hi, George. Oh, hi, Eileen. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. Say, listen, about this... Dance Saturday night. We hear the sound of the door being thrown open, and a familiar voice calls to George. Hey, McFly! I thought I told you to never to come in here. 
Wait, we got. How did you trip over that line when it's in the movie? Because I, because he turns off the music and I got sidetracked about turning the music <laughs> off. <laughs> hey, McFly! I thought I told you never to come in here. George turns around and sees Biff and his gang standing there. George shudders. Marty drops his head in his hands and sighs. What's well, gonna cost you, McFly? How much money you got on you? George quickly pulls out his wallet. Oh, how much you want, Biff? As Biff, all start- that's in the movie. <laughs> As Biff starts to walk toward George, Marty sticks out his leg and trips him. <laughs> Biff stumbles to the floor, careening into a chair. Everyone in the malt shop laughs at him. <laughs> Biff, however, doesn't think it's very funny. He picks himself up and goes over to the stool where Marty is sitting with his back facing Biff. Okay. Play the right music. There's no music for that. Oh. Um, where am I? Oh. Listen, a-hole, it's about time I taught you a lesson. Biff puts a hand on Marty, and with that, Marty whirls back around and slams his fist into Biff's face with Eric Stoltz's hand. That's <laughs> Biff goes reeling backwards into a table. Match, gum, and skin he- skinhead face Marty, ready for action. I hate those fucking names. Yeah, I like 3D a lot better. Yeah. Way to go, Billy Zane. Yeah. Don't you talk to Billy Zane that way. <laughs> Where are we? The three guys pull Biff. Uh, Biff goes reeling backward into the table. Match comes. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Into Biff's face. Uh, ready for action. Marty doesn't like the odds. He bolts out of there. The three guys pull Biff to his feet, and they all run after Marty. Exterior, malt shop and street. Marty dashes down the street, followed by Biff and the boys. <laughs> There's an exclamation point. That's why I read it like that. Most of the kids in the malt shop hurry outside to watch, chanting fight, no doubt. (laughs) Marty looks behind him. Biff and his boys are gaining. Oh, holy shit. What? I just started, like, dictating to my watch somehow. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole script of Back to the Future is on your watch, (laughs) along with our commentary. (laughs) Series like... Hold on, I'll do a Google search for interior docks. <laughs> <laughs> Just reads the whole thing. All right, uh, so I got the right music, so let's yeah. do this. Um, Marty looks behind him. Biff and the boys are gaining. Then one of the kids on the scooters comes by. Thinking quickly, Marty yanks the scooter off from under him, kicks off the orange crate, and creates a homemade skateboard. Yeah. Marty hops on it and sails off down the sidewalk. Biff and the boys have never seen anything like it, nor has the kid whose scooter it was. Biff stares at Marty and whips down the sidewalk. In the car! Biff and the gang jump into a convertible parked nearby. Biff peels out and races down the street after Marty. Marty looks over his shoulder and sees the convertible closing in. Wider angle, street. The convertible is mere yards away. Suddenly, Marty cuts a sharp turn into the street and crosses right in front of Biff's car. He turns again and heads back the way he came. Another car is now coming up from behind Marty. As it passes him, Marty grabs onto the back and hucks a ride. Biff and the boys are stunned. Biff cuts a U-turn and continues the pursuit. Exterior malt shop. Marty, towed by the car, whizzes past the malt shop. The spectators are truly amazed. Madge turns to Eileen. Did you see that? Eileen nods, open-mouthed. She is very impressed and ready for a cock to go in her mouth. I know, that's right. Marty's. Yeah. Now Biff's convertible speeds after Marty. Marty again looks over his shoulder and sees that Biff is closing in, and fast. Things don't look good for Marty. (laughs) 
<laughs> it actually says that. <laughs> yes. Up ahead is an interesting intersecting street, Hill Street. Marty, let's go with the car and cuts sharp left onto Hill Street. Does it matter that it's Hill Street, it really? It doesn't make any difference. Biff is coming too fast to make the turn. He overshoots the intersection and has to make another U. Exterior, Hill Street. It's an incredibly steep hill, and at the bottom is an intersection with a traffic light. Marty picks up speed as he coasts down. Now Biff's convertible shoots onto Hill Street, actually leaving the ground as it comes over the hill. Dukes of Hazard style. Yeah. Biff drives like hell after Marty, and he's closing fast. Then Marty drops into a crouch, cuts his wind resistant, and speeds away. At the intersection, at the bottom of the hill, the traffic light turns yellow. Marty has no choice. He's going through. Perfect music. Cue. Yeah, right? It's called the skateboard chase. Biff speeds up to stay on Marty's tail. The traffic light turns red. Marty zips through the intersection. Cross traffic screeches to a halt to avoid hitting him. Marty whips around the cars and makes it safely across. Biff sees the stalled traffic in the intersection. Directly in front of him is a red car. He slams on his brakes. Biff wheels lock up and rubber screeches across the pavement. It looks like Biff is going to hit the car. Then, at the last moment, the red car pulls out of the way and Biff rams into the car in the next lane of traffic. A police car. Two cops immediately get out of their car and approach Biff. Biff sighs. I'm gonna get that son of a bitch. Yeah, at least he didn't get a mouthful of shit. Yeah, right, and the other one... Well, actually, he didn't get the mouthful into the second one. Hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They had to update it somehow. Yeah. In the first one, he crashes into shit. The second one, it's in his mouth. And the third one, he falls face first into it. Cut to exterior residential street, Marty. <sighs> Marty skate skateboards casually down the street. As he comes to an intersection, he can see Eileen's house. And George is walking Eileen home. Marty hides behind some bushes and watches. You know, like a creep. <laughs> Marty's POV of George and Eileen, as George, carrying her books, walks her to the door. He gives her her books, and after an awkward moment, they politely shake hands. Marty sighs a massive sigh of relief. He hops back on his skateboard and goes off, out of frame. We hold on Eileen's house as Eileen closes the door, and George jacks off right down. (laughs) Uh, Departs. George's mood abruptly changes. He's pissed. He throws his jacket down on the street and slumps in the gutter, dropping his head in his hands. Now, that's right after Marty walks away, so Marty doesn't realize that yeah, he was dumped. Yeah, Marty doesn't see that. Okay. Not dumped. Just well, turned down. Marty gets the wrong idea. Marty thinks everything's going great. and then Yeah, swimmingly. Not, right. And then his legs disappear while he's skateboarding. <laughs> Interior, Marty's bedroom, night. Marty pulls Reginald's business card from the pocket of his Porsche jacket. He looks at it for a long moment, then rips it into little pieces. He goes to the trash can and pulls out his science textbook page. Interior, Professor Brown's study. Professor Brown, night. Professor Brown is at his desk, again playing playing back the microcassette tape, listening to the section with the gunshots. You know, the camcorder worked a lot better. Yeah. Um, Listening to the section with the gunshots. It's like a portable television studio. He plays that portion over and over again, but he just can't figure it out. (laughs) Marty walks in with the textbook page, and the professor quickly puts the recorder down, as if he doesn't want Marty to see him using it. Yes, we got that. Professor, you were right about everything. I don't belong here. I almost screwed up my existence again today while trying to put it back together. And I've had enough. I want to get back to the... And he disappears. (laughs) I get back to the future. I want to get back to the future. He hands 
Professor Brown the textbook page and points to the caption under the picture of the mushroom cloud. Brown's eyes light up. Where did you get this? I brought it with me from 1982. It's from my science book. The test is this Monday. 15 megatons. Let's see. We need 4,200 rads. Does calculations on a slide rule. You'd have to be exactly 800 yards from ground zero. I don't think that's how a slide rule works. I don't think so. <laughs> the professor looks at Marty with concern. You realize that we're going to... I'm sorry. You realize that we're... Oh, fuck. You realize that what we're going to do could be extremely dangerous. Believe me, Professor. Running around on a nuclear test site can't be any more dangerous than what I've been doing. God damn it. totally could, stupid. you dumb fuck. I've been getting chased by a guy. <laughs> What's a nuke compared to that? By the way, am I in the 50s? <laughs> I keep forgetting every eight seconds. Oh, man. I'm having... But look... That being said, I'm having so much more fun than we did <laughs> yeah. with Star Wars. Yeah, I have to say, like... What? Now, I could imagine maybe someone thinking that. Maybe. If they're really stupid. But then, <laughs> yeah, right. at the height of nuclear paranoia yeah, in the right. Cold War, yeah. for him to say, oh, can't be anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have established Marty's really dumb in this version. So dumb. He's really dumb. <laughs> uh, smarter fetuses. <laughs> That's not true. I've never met a fetus there inside. <laughs> That's also true. That is true. All right. Here's what we'll do. We get an army surplus truck. Mount the time machine and power converter on it. Oh, Jesus, I can't read. And drive it to Nevada. If we leave by Saturday night, we can make it to the test site in plenty of time. And just to be on the safe side, I'd better build a lead-lined time chamber for your added protection. I don't know if I trust these atomic bombs. The phone rings. Brown answers it. Hello? Uh, no, Eileen, he, he can't come to the phone right now. Marty looks at the professor with alarm. All right. Yes, I'll tell him. Goodbye. Brown hangs up. He has a grave expression on his face. Your mother... Wanted me to tell you that she was very impressed by what you did this afternoon, and that if you were interested in going to the dance Saturday night, she's available. I'm dripping wet. <laughs> yeah, right. She's ruining the seat she's sitting in. <laughs> she's shitting in? She's shitting in a seat. She's so happy. <laughs> she's a sh seat shitter. She sits on sheets of shit by the seashore. How far in are we, by the way? Um, I think we're almost done. Um, we are 58-34. Something like that. All right. <clears throat> um, so we could do like two more scenes, I think. Uh, but that's impossible. George asked her out. He had to. I saw him walk her home. Oh, God! <laughs> My arm's disappearing. <laughs> My guess is she turned him down. But then again, I'm still a virgin at 58. <laughs> <laughs> but why? Why would she do that? She's supposed to marry the guy. Apparently, what has happened is that the maternal instinct has transcended the gap of time, and this has caused an alteration in your mother's emotional behavior. Are you trying to tell me my mother's got the hots for me? I've always loved that line. I've always loved that line. I'm so but glad it's still here. The maternal instinct has transcended the gap of time. That's not what and, he's saying at all. And it's bullshit. He's <laughs> saying she wants to be your mommy. Yeah, which doesn't make sense. Whoa, Doc, are you trying to tell me that my mother has got the hots for me? Precisely. Whoa, this is heavy. That's the way he says heavy. 
great line. Are you trying to tell me that my mother's got the hots for me? In a manner of speaking, yes. And because of that, she's no longer interested in your father. Jesus, what are we going to do? Jesus has no answer. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was even totally not, unresponsive. Not around then either. <laughs> yeah, when right. he would have been. Yeah, right. Closer to when he would have been. Interior, malt shop, day. Eileen is sitting at the same table with Madge. Again, they're talking, drinking ice cream sodas. Now Marty comes over and sits down. How you doing, Eileen? You fucking cunt. (laughs) That should take care of that. I'm out of here. Yeah, right. (laughs) He just disappears right away. How you doing, Eileen? Hi, Marty. Listen, Professor Brown told me that you called last night and gave me your message. Marty has his hands under the table because they're shaking. Yeah. Another Parkinson's joke, everybody. Marty has his hands under the table. Under the table. Marty's hands attach the microcassette recorder to the underside of the table with a piece of heavy masking tape and start it recording. And if you're still available, I'd like to take you to the dance Saturday night. The cassette recorder in Marty's hands playing back. So I'll pick you up around 8.30, okay? Oh, that was the, the tape. Yeah. So I'll pick you up around 8.30, okay? My Marty voice is terrible. Interior. It's, it's at least consistent. Where, like, I'm sure there's like characters that I started on the first or second episode with different voices altogether. Yeah. Interior. Brown's garage. Marty. Professor Brown. Night. Marty and the professor are listening to the tape. The time machine has been loaded into the bed of the army truck, and the professor has been welding a, welding sheet lead into a large Philco refrigerator. But I'm there come. The top of the refrigerator has been modified to accommodate the beam focusing unit. Now, when it says the top of the refrigerator, it means the drum that used to be on top of refrigerators to hold the ice. Oh, is that right? That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Back when they were called ice boxes, because they had ice. That's right, yeah. Uh, modified to accommodate the beam focusing unit of the time machine, so the time beam will project into the refrigerator. Read your Eileen line. Okay, see you later, Marty. Because it's on tape, folks. Yes. Okay, see you later, Marty. We hear the sound effects of Marty leaving the malt shop. Isn't he a dream? Boy, I've never seen you phone for anybody like that before. I know. I've never felt like this about anybody before. I really don't understand it, but I just feel like... Like mothering him. Marty, I want him to suck on my tits. (laughs) Marty and the professor exchange a look. But what about George? I thought you wanted him to ask you. He did ask me. But I turned him down. Why? You always thought George was cute before he because he was so shy. Well, that's what I thought. But he really isn't shy. He's just chicken. Professor Brown grabs the tape recorder and replays the last part of the tape. Nobody calls me chicken. And replays the last part of the tape. He's just chicken. 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 Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Chicken, 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 chicken. yellow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, where were we? <laughs> That's probably the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> we should kill ourselves then. Um, let's Cut stop to. there. You want to stop there? Yeah, let's stop there. All right. <laughs> With the creepy chicken montage. <laughs> All right. Wait a minute. I'm sorry, Sean. You caught me off guard with the let's stop there shit. 
So, all right, we are going to stop there because Sean's just staring daggers at me. I was waiting for the music to kick in. I'm really enjoying this script. Yeah. I'm, I mean, there's like, there's little spots where you're like, ugh. But the rest of it, you're just like, yeah, this is what I liked. Yeah. All, all the, even it's just, they just, it's just what you would like, you know, this is what I imagined when you originally pitched the show to me and you said the part about, but when we're not kicking ourselves in the balls using our own, our own scripts as fodder, we'll, we'll do scripts that we, for movies that we liked. And you immediately think of, Okay, I'll take a movie I like and then just see a scaled-down version of the shit that I already like. Not like Star Wars, which was a fucking miracle. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. I mean, George just, like, obsessed with, like, oh, let's name all the droids in the scene. And, uh, yeah, the minutia. Oh, yeah. And there's six other people in the background. They never say anything or do anything, but here are their names and their origin stories. I'm going to write a... A coffee table book about it. I mean, this whole the whole fucking thing was just so awful. This is it's not Back to the Future yet, you but know. it's definitely yeah. The seeds it's, it's are there. It's a seed, and you can see how people read this and were like, you know, we're, we're there's gonna make something this here. Movie. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely something here. So uh, that's the end of part three. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week with part four. Are, are we sure it's next week? Yes, I'm gonna post these on a weekly basis. All right, cool. All right. So uh, tune in next week. Um, table reads on iTunes. And uh, check out our other stuff. Uh, the Ferris Wheelhouse is on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Ferris Wheelhouse. Uh, SoundCloud.com. And if you do a, a search for Ferris Wheelhouse on iTunes, you'll see um, everything. All, our, all our podcasts. Yeah, that are on iTunes. There. And even stuff that isn't our podcast because I haven't, I still haven't taken and, some you know, of stuff out. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us reviews, scathing or otherwise. And also, if there's a movie that you love and you want us to try and track down the original scripts, and you want us to do those on the next show, leave that in the comments too. We'll be happy to do that. Or uh, send suggestions to um, what's our email address? We don't have an email address. Follow us on Twitter at the Ferris House. Yes. And, and uh, Ferris Wheelhouse is also on Facebook. Yes. So. At the Ferris House, uh, send us tweets with uh, your suggestions um, for what early draft screenplays we should do. Or if you have uh, unproduced screenplays, we're going to be... Tackling. Yeah, we'll submit. Yeah, so we'll submit stuff. We'll read it. No, I don't know about that. We'll submit it, you know, and we'll but No, read I'm, it. I'm just saying that... Uh, I'm, saying not, I'm saying we'll read it to consider it, not read it. It's not a definite that we'll do it. I don't know if we want to do amateur stuff, but you know we do our own amateur stuff. Like there, there are movies that you may have heard of that just never came out that might have scripts. We're happy to do those. We've got several planned coming up. Doing some uh, like the original Batman versus Superman from yeah. 2003 that never got off the ground. Yeah, Sean found a, um, a, a like you got a real uh, what was it like a torrent of, of scripts that you found somewhere? No, no, I just I saw an article about a whole bunch of different Batman scripts that never got made. And then I found the scripts oh. individually, hunted them down. Nice. So well, there's going to be a period where we're just going through Batman and... Uh... Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm ready for that, because you know me. Not a big comic book fan, but I love me some fucking Batman. Shit, yeah. 
All right, guys. We'll see you on the next one. I think uh, Sean is the host, so he should say goodbye to you. Oh, yeah. So goodbye. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Um, and really, really, leave us a review in iTunes. Uh, if you hated us and, and uh, you thought that this was a fucking waste of your time, say so. We don't fucking give a shit. Yeah. We just want people to, we just want to know what people think one way or the other. So do it. This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>